Welcome back, everybody, to the Deposit That podcast. And today I'm super excited to be here with not only business associates, service providers, but two friends, owners of Cryo Central Cryotherapy, Danny Pozo and Jeff Esquio. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. What's going on, Jeff? Thanks for having us. Oh, man, super excited to have you guys on here today. So as you know, last episode was with Ezron, Jets athletic trainer. We touched on health and wellness and building the proper foundation, really starting with your feet. Um, so now I figured we get into both recovery and then we're going to transition into entrepreneurship, which you guys are both uh, specialists in. So tell me a little bit about cryotherapy. What the heck is cryotherapy? Yeah, so we actually, um, so Jeff and I actually started about four years ago already. For the people that don't know what cryotherapy is, cryotherapy is a two to three minute ultra cooling procedure and it helps with uh, inflammation, muscle recovery, muscle soreness, other illnesses like tendonitis, arthritis, fibromyalgia, sciatica, things like that. When we first started, you know, Jeff and I were just trying to get into the fitness industry in a sense, but we didn't know what direction we wanted to go. I've always had this little aspiration to be a personal trainer. And open a gym. Yeah. And I still do. (laughs) You know, I still do. So we always had that aspiration to just get into the fitness industry. And we stumbled upon cryotherapy. We were having lunch one day and and I've, as you know, I've, I've known Jeff for 25 years, but we were having lunch one day and we saw LeBron, Kobe. And all these guys do cryotherapy. We're like, wait, what in the world is this? Yeah, it's funny because I remember when I, back when I used to do competitive weightlifting and powerlifting, I noticed some kind of trend going on in California and even Texas for that matter. And it was this thing called cryotherapy. Like people were using it for muscle recovery. People were using it as workout aids. And then we noticed there was a huge opportunity in the New York, New Jersey area. So like Danny mentioned, we've always been big into fitness. So this was right in our wheelhouse for what we're passionate about. We ended up opening in 2015, and back then there was like less than five cryotherapy locations in the area, and now it's it's starting to boom, and we have uh, three of them. So it's gone pretty big. And, and you guys are franchising now, right? Yep. yep. We are doing franchising, so we're trying to build out our clientele, build out the number of locations in the area, and things have been pretty good so far. So again, cryotherapy, like who needs to come to cryotherapy? Obviously, I know the answer to that. I'm somebody that needed it and got it and gets it. A lot of people think they aren't candidates for cryotherapy, and other people think that they need cryotherapy every day. So who's your audience? Who's your demographic? Who's your ideal person that is experiencing everyday aches and pains that should be coming to you? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big misconception. There's a lot of people out there that think that they don't need cryo, or there's a, the people, like you said, that think that they need it every day. But this is actually for everybody. It's actually for everybody because you could get it from the wellness feature as well um, because it helps with skin and it helps with uh, skin rejuvenation, collagen production, promote healthier hair, nails, all that good stuff, right? Then you got the fitness market where you could use it for muscle soreness, uh, muscle recovery, I should say. Use that. And then you got the people that are going through pain and they're, you know, they're using painkillers, getting surgeries. Which is a major problem in the country. Yeah, and this and, and yeah. this is just a holistic alternative. Is cryo-addicting? Like painkillers or no? It could be. The results. <laughs> the results. I mean, if the, the results are there, so people want to continue feeling really great about how they feel. Yeah, so I mean, we have like, even unlimited monthly memberships. We have people who come ev- as often as every day, and they uh, might be recovering from surgery, might be recovering from an injury, or just tra- training fairly heavily. Or they just like how it makes them feel because you do get a direct energy boost. You like how it can start your day and it even promotes healthier sleep. So a lot of people who are dealing with insomnia, it's a great secondary benefit. It is the good sleep that you get from cryotherapy. So it's not just a muscle recovery 
tool that a lot of people think. So they, a lot of people think, oh, I have to be an athlete to try cryotherapy. That's not necessarily the case. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I'm in there, hopefully three to six times a week, depending on you know, my schedule and your guys' availability. But as I'm sitting on the Normatec sleeves, which is a complimentary product you know, service to cryotherapy, I see a lot of people coming in that aren't athletic, that really aren't in great shape, but they use cryotherapy as part of their weekly routine. So do you have to be like a nine to five employee to get cryotherapy? Do you recommend it? And then if so, how many times per week at minimum should someone come? It really depends on what the person's needs are. If they have pain, what I always recommend is you now come in three to four times a week and knock it out. Just knock it out completely. Try to knock it out, get it out of your system. And then you could you could possibly scale off in the in the long run. For a person that's doing training, fit, whether it's fitness, powerlifting, CrossFit, whatever the case may be, they could do it depending on their needs and how much stress they put on their bodies. They could do it twice a week. They could do it four times a week. It really just depends on the person's needs. But I mean... For me, it's so, uh, that's one of the first questions I always ask a client when they come in is, what are your needs? Why did you come to CryoCentral? What are your needs? Why are you looking to do cryotherapy? And then you could kind of gauge why they're there. Is it because of pain? Is it because they're, they're doing it for fitness? They want to try it because they saw it on TV or whatever the case. Well, I think be. it's cool, right? Yeah. No pun intended. Freezing cool. <laughs> right? But I've had that. People are like, oh, I just want to try it. But yeah. wait, like, what are you doing? If, like, what's your purpose? Right? Exactly. And it's exactly. an experience in itself. Like a lot of people just like trying new things. Sometimes Do it for the gram. Doing it for the gram. <laughs> it's a great photo op. But at the same time, too, it's just a cool experience that you've never heard of. And you see on TV and you think that it's only for pro-level athletes and you just want to try it. So that's why we get a lot of people who aren't really athletes per se, but just want to try the experience. And then they end up getting hooked because they see a lot of the benefits right from the start. Now, where do you see the industry headed? Obviously, it is like other health and wellness, not covered by insurance, right? The benefits are better than painkillers, if you will. Do you eventually see maybe insurance picking it up or offsetting some of the costs? Because obviously, I know your guys' costs are very expensive, contrary to what people believe. Rent, light, electric, you know, product, the actual you know, mm-hmm. tank that you have to get in order to fill the chamber with, the actual machine, you know, cost of doing business, right? Yeah. Is insurance going to eventually pick it up, in your opinion, or should they pick it up? I think they will. I think we're about five years down the road from that actually um, matriculating. You know, it's one of those things where when you get the FDA involved, they try to look at everything and they want to make sure that there's scientific results to, let's say, anything that they that they approve. Yeah, they they Bill, Bill Nye to come yeah. in and check it out. Yeah, right. <laughs> pretty guy. much, pretty much. <laughs> but before they approve anything, they just want to make sure that it's scientifically proven. We personally, even even, yeah. even you, right? You know what it could do. You feel good. People are feeling good. We have so many clients that come out and, um, you know, they get the, all these surgeries and things and taking painkillers and they still don't have the results. But as soon as they jump into the chamber, they feel great. Yeah, I mean, we'll show, obviously, when we do the production of this, you know, we're going to show them my ankle surgery, swelling, recovery, and then when I went yeah. to cryo and how... The inflammation went down literally in a 15-minute session, you know, a week removed from surgery. And I was actually able to stand up the next day because the inflammation came down so much, my foot could actually straighten out a little bit. But when I first started coming to you guys, I started coming in 2000, end of 2015, early 2016, yeah. right when you had opened up. And I was coming off a pretty bad hamstring injury. And you know, at the time, I was playing 100 softball games in like an 80 to 90-day span, right? And I could tell you that I would literally go before the softball game and come back after the softball game for the Normatec sleeves and cryo. And the next day, my legs felt as refreshed as if I had never played the previous day. 
the beauty of cryotherapy, it's actually been around since the 90s. The only reason it started to get popular because it was in 2013 when Mayweather fought Pacquiao, Mayweather was using cryotherapy yeah. as a way to get started as training for his fight. So then that's where the popularity of the industry as a whole started to grow. And now more and more people are getting educated about cryotherapy, what it can do, how it can help. So the industry as a whole, everything is trending upward. If you notice, a lot of more people are more health conscious, watching their calories. Every restaurant now has their calories. So people are being more mindful of their health. Boutique fitness and health industry, everything's going up and that's cryotherapy included. So explain to me what happens. So someone comes to CryoCentral, right? They do their buy one, get one off. They do a monthly membership. They pay for one time, whatever. And then they step into a negative 250 degree chamber, right? So from the time you put them in their slippers, high socks, gloves, right? You can wear underwear if you want. (laughs) I highly recommend it. And step into the chamber. What happens? Yeah, so most of our clients, the first thing, um, the first thing I always ask is because you see it, you see a client's face. Will you sign my waiver? <laughs> That's the first. Thing. It's a questionnaire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mo- most of the clients that come in, the first question I always ask is, you could tell on their face, especially if they never did cryotherapy sure. before, they're anxious. They build up all this anxiety because they hear all these things of how cold it is, the extreme temperatures. It's not that bad. Yeah, most people when they tried the first time, they they completely understand like, oh. This wasn't so bad. This wasn't expected. I was expecting it to be like I just they definitely psyched in. themselves out. Exactly. And that's what exactly what it is. And a lot of people like right before they jump in, oh, can I go to the bathroom? So there's a lot of fear into lot. trying it. Can I go to the bathroom first? Yeah, yeah right before they go <laughs> in. Or your pee's going to freeze inside of you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so, what they think. Yeah. So there's a lot of hesitation, but a lot of people, once they try it, they completely understand what it's about. Like it's not the most enjoyable experience. It is cold, but once you get out, you feel that refreshed flow through your body and you're just like, oh, now I completely understand understand yeah so so pretty much i mean when they get into the chamber their body goes through vasoconstriction so that's the strengthening of your blood vessels so it doesn't allow any and male parts no (laughs) no that's why you have underwear on no but um so the blood doesn't constrict to, to the skin surface so that is what makes you really cold but your core temperature actually stays stable it stays the same so cryotherapy if you had to pick the top three ailments people have in everyday life right that they experience, whether it's tightness, arthritis, tendonitis, whatever, lack of sleep. What are the top three things that you believe cryotherapy helps with? Arthritis and tendonitis are have to be on the top. Just joint pain in general, just yeah. any inflammation throughout your body. Sciatic is a big one. And then, of course, the muscle recovery, because we do get athletes who are training fairly heavily. This is a nice tool for them to get cover faster so they can train a little harder. So we get a lot of those athletes, the joint pain. So it's just a numerous amount. To pick three, it's tough because we get so many different clientele through that door that just cryotherapy just helps them. And it's just, an all, like Danny mentioned, a holistic health alternative. So they're just finding a way to stop taking meds, stop taking pharmaceuticals, and this just happens to work. Now, for your person that's never done cryotherapy before, right? Never did an ice bath, doesn't really take care of themselves the way they should. Is it recommended to front load cryo where like you do it five times a week for two weeks straight and then wind off of it and then maintain one or two times a week after that? Or what is your recommended dosage, if you will, for your everyday average Joe that doesn't really take care of themselves the way they should, like a professional athlete would? I mean, I I would honestly say do it twice a week, see how you feel, because those when when you first do it, the symptoms, the, the feeling that you get from doing the cryotherapy 
lasts about 72 hours. So you have three days of I've benefits. Had, I've had clients that said that they felt the benefits for a week. Wow. So it really depends on the body. depends on how much stress you're putting into, you know, into that, right? But, you know, for a person, an average, let's say an average Joe, two times a week I think is good. And then how many days in between? So if you say 72 hours, come like Monday, three, Thursday. Three, four days. Tuesday, Friday, whatever yeah. it is. Yep. In between. Yep. Have you guys had people that, I, obviously, you said come every day. Yeah, that have yeah. really <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> I have a ten month old um, that really go above and beyond. And are they getting more benefits, or is there to a point where like you're capped out at the benefits, and you're really just coming just to come and hang out in the environment? It's pretty much the same principle as why we put an ice pack on our bruises, our aches and pains when we get hurt, because the ice pack brings down inflammation. Cryotherapy is a giant ice pack for your body. So essentially, if you're recovering from surgery or if you have dealing with severe inflammation or you just have aches and pains, like coming more frequently than not would be more beneficial. And as Danny said, you can taper off as you recover and get a little bit better. So it's all a matter of what is suited for your needs. We didn't even touch the beauty aspect of this, right? So a lot of the people that do come every day are women and they're trying to get, you know, the whole that whole skincare part of the cryotherapy. Well, you guys also have, I know you have cryotherapy, but then you also have a local cryo machine. And then you also have something that is like cool sculpting. Do you want to touch on that so we can touch into the beauty aspect of it and like rejuvenating your face and your cells? What is that? So the local, I'll talk a little bit about that, is pretty much targeted cryotherapy. So for example, we have uh, pitchers who come in who just threw a game and instead of doing the whole body chamber, we could actually focus on an area of their body, in particular, uh, like a pitcher's shoulder. So if somebody's recovering from an ACL tear, maybe it's on their knee, plantar fasciitis on their feet, or even lower back pain, we can uh, double up on the whole body with local. So a lot of people do like it for that, but the women especially love it for the cryofacials. So what it is, it's pretty much a 10-minute session on the face, and what it does is increases collagen production, increases elastin in the face, gives it that more tighter, youthful look, and a lot of people have been talking great about it so we are there, actually, are there any marks that are left or anything visibly like you leave there like oh my god my face is burnt or anything like that or no no so you actually just face gets a little bit red because of the coldness but once sure. that once that goes down you will notice a difference like for example we had a bride come in the morning of her wedding day she came in got the local cryotherapy facial done realized then, she was prettier and then ditched her wedding <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i'm right? actually hotter than i thought i was i'm not sure up to this guy yeah, I, well, I mean, she did show up, so <laughs> she ended up leaving, going to Central Park, and went about her wedding, oh, no so kidding. it just shows how much faith people have. <laughs> Put that collagen back in. <laughs> and then the T-Shock is a, a little bit more of a, a long-term service. What is T-Shock? Who's it for? So a lot of people see T-Shock as they, they kind of correlate it back to cool sculpting. It's not cool sculpting. It's actually better. But cool slimming is actually, um, which is the T-Shock, it's actually a hot and cold application. So what happens is... Uh, it's like my personality, hot and cold. <laughs> we're going to start calling you T-Shock. Yeah. So a lot of people understand cool sculpting as a, a device and just kind of like chips away using using cold. And I believe the process is about an hour, an hour or so, right? Yeah. An hour, an hour and a half, right? So that's not what we, that's not what cool slimming is. Cool slimming is like, like I mentioned, a hot and cold application and you target a certain area using hot and cold. So it goes through phases. It goes through a very warm phase, then a super cold phase. And then what that does, it actually crystallizes the fat cells and moves through the lymphatic system. So you're literally burning fat for two weeks. So you can't even do another session for two weeks. Now, is that for every part of the body? Anywhere that has fat. So you wouldn't be able to do it like in... Um, 
let's like say your knee or whatever. And if there's fat around it, you can. Oh, you can. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. So most popular applications for it are around the love handle area, the tummy area. Uh, maybe Who wants to get rid of the love handles. That's no fun. Yeah. Right. No love. <laughs> and then uh, bod. <laughs> I hear it's in these days. <laughs> that's a new cool thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Legs is very popular too. So uh, like, someone has like cellulite. Exactly. Yep. Well, it's actually a funny story. I can't even believe I'm gonna tell you this, and the whole world's gonna hear this one day, and they're gonna be like, "You're a crazy bastard." <laughs> so I was on spring break. It was. You're two, already starting off good. It was 2007, right? And you guys know me. Like, listen, I'm more laid back, calm, relaxed, right? But then if I'm going hard, I'm going hard. Like, if I'm in, I'm in. If I'm out, I'm out, right? So we drive to Florida for spring break. Me and my three good friends. So we drive all the way from the Bronx, from Fordham, down mm-hmm. to Florida. We stop in Jacksonville. We see my uncle. Then we drive down to Daytona, right? And Daytona is a madhouse for spring break. Like, yeah. it's just nuts. People are driving on the beach and everything. So. My one friend got so drunk, like I'm talking about blacked out drunk, blacked out. And these girls were walking by and he like, you know, swung at him, meaning like, hey, what's up, ladies? You know, took a shot. Like, you know, he's, you know, we just got down there. He's super excited and blacked out. So the three girls kept walking. They didn't even acknowledge him. So he's like, oh, what? What about me? He's like, he's like, man, whatever. I didn't like you guys. You guys got all that cellulose. And me and my other two friends look at each other. We're like. What's he trying to say? Cellulose. He's like, you and your cellulose keep walking with your cellulose. And we were like, we think he means cellulite. (laughs) Needless to say, they kept walking and we went on. I think he went back to sleep after that. So so they won that one. So cellulose, they definitely won that. He he was just warming up. though. I think he hit a couple of runs after that. You know, I don't think T-Shock does cellulose. No. (laughs) If you have cellulose, don't come. If you have cellulite, definitely come. But is cellulite something that does cure? What's the whole principle of it? You know, like I said, you're increasing collagen, increasing elastin. It tightens up the skin and gives that more youthful look. So that causes the little the cellulite marks to really go away and tighten up that specific area. What about women that just give birth? Is that good for them as well? It is. If they're breastfeeding, they would not be able to do it. Okay. But once they come off that, they can. I'm trying to think what other people would be beneficial to let them know that they're candidates for this. Is it for men? Men too? Yeah, men. We get a lot of men. <laughs> we get a lot of men that do it. Um, they do their stomach, love handles, back fat. Can you do it and then go out in the sun? Yes. Oh, you can. So yeah. if like, someone wants to start now and try and get their six pack by August, they could yeah. come out, still go out and tan in the sun and yeah. come back after yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And then so, we also didn't even touch upon like the neck, the face area. You can do that as well. Like people have like the chicken yeah, we, gobblers. We, yeah, they have the gobblers. <laughs> yeah. they have, Double uh, chin action. We, yeah. we, did, we, did have, we did have a guy that came in for a facial. Serious? Yeah. He looked pretty young. Now you said <laughs> also before weddings, people like to come in and yeah. get all that stuff done just so that like the next day they look rejuvenated. Yeah, sometimes maybe a bridal party will come in a couple weeks, uh, like a month or month out or so. So there's a good opportunity to get people in the door and do it together. And just get look, look great for the wedding. Of course, it's not a miracle machine by sure, any sure, means. Sure. Uh, with on top of a proper diet, this is a great supplement for it. Yeah, the, I mean, the coolest thing is that, you know, we do get a lot of people that have done cool sculpting before. A lot of our clients from T-Shock are from cool sculpting. Right. They right? upgrade. Yeah, they upgrade. And and in terms of price, it's not an upgrade. Right. It's a downgrading price. Yeah, it's a downgrading price. Compare apples to apples. So cool sculpting is X, T-Shock is how much? So on average, cool sculpting is, runs about like four thousand to six thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Okay, for our T shock session, one session is three forty nine, wow. and then we have a five pack that's fifteen hundred dollars. So ninety percent discounted, yeah. less. Well, yeah, for I better mean, service. For for better essentially, service. cool sculpting came out first, and that was the first science behind it, and everybody just jumped on that. But what it is is you have a device put on your body, it clamps on, and it's kind of set it and forget it. So you see your your 
a statistician right in the beginning, and then you don't see them for an hour. And once you remove the device, it's kind of like a pruny, like kind of not a pretty look. What the hell is that? Yeah, well, there's T-Shock. Yeah. Exactly. T-Shock was kind of birthed from the idea of cool skull. So it's more efficient. Yeah, so the idea of cryolipolysis, which is where uh, fat cells get frozen and damaged to, when exposed to extreme cold temperatures, this was created after seeing the inefficiencies of cool sculpting. So we literally have what we call a cryotician going back and forth on the area of your choice for about an hour. So it's more hands-on than just a set-it-and-forget-it type of machine. So as you know, most of our listeners are entrepreneurs, want to be entrepreneurs, everyday average Joe's nine-to-five grinders. You both were at one point in your younger lives, nine-to-fivers, right? Everyone thinks entrepreneurship's cool, owning your business is cool, it's easy, right? Everything goes as planned. We're going to dive deep into your accounting right now, because obviously, you know, we've had very open discussions. Tell me about your early mistakes when you first opened Cryo and be honest with everyone and let them know exactly what didn't go right and what went much more wrong than you had originally expected. I mean, in the very beginning, like Danny and I bootstrapped this, like we took all of our savings that we had from about seven, eight years of corporate America and just put it into the business. So, I mean, that's kind of what we chose to do. A lot of people do capital funding from the beginning. To give an example, just so people understand numbers, right? What did you both equally put in day one? Or what did you guys think you would need day one to fund the business? Day one, we, we came out and said, okay, let's each of us put $20,000 into so this. So 40000 total. 40000 And then from there, we just realized like um, it's a little more capital intensive than you expect. Of course, what you're budgeting for is never really the case. So, I mean, we would take on some debt and just get the business flowing. And then in the early stages, that's kind of how we got started. Talk about the pain in the balls that you guys told me about with the construction build-out and how you went over budget and the time that took alone just for the construction build-out. Yeah, so, I mean, as, as you know, uh, we're close to Hoboken, and Hoboken is not exact, not really easy with zoning and getting permits and things like that. But at first, I mean, you kind of have to look at the whole big picture, right? We're bringing a service that's not even popular in New Jersey. We made it popular eventually, but it wasn't popular. So we wanted to go all in. Right. We wanted to go all out. A lot of people weren't even educated on on cryotherapy at the time. So we just wanted to make sure that aesthetically everything looked good. Image. Image. It looked good. It was on par. When people come in, they have a welcoming feeling. So we spend a good amount of money. Now, I know a lot of people out there would spend a hundred to $150,000 on construction. We didn't spend that, but we drained our account on just a construction. What did your build alone just cost you, estimated? It was close to thirty four, $35,000. And mind you, we just put in $40,000. So now it's Before like... Before you even open the doors, you're out yep. 95% exactly. of what you And we're not out. even sure if the business is going to work. So we put our asses on the line. But I mean, we, we, we believed in our idea and we thought it was going to work. And now we're moving closer to location number four and we've gotten a little smarter about how we do things. Like initially we were like, oh, let's build out a white box facility and build it the way we want. Now our mind mentality is more like, let's just get a facility that's ready to go where we have to do minimal construction. So we've learned from our mistakes and then just improved on it. So it took you a long time to be profitable on average monthly, right? Obviously, you know what your costs are, your payroll, your rents, your Absolutely. insurance, your expenses, your inventory, your overhead, right? Mm-hmm. While still losing money, you guys decided to double down and open a second location, basically taking on double the risk, double the debt, double the liabilities, expenses, payroll, everything, if not two and a half times. Why would you guys double down on a business that's losing money? 
So I had, um, I think Jeff, by the time we opened the second location, Jeff jumped off of corporate America. He went full-time entrepreneurship. I was still in corporate America. So he left nine to five. He left the nine to go five. Oh, I'm, I'm out, guys. <laughs> so he paused at that. <laughs> <laughs> he went out first and you know, we had the conversation about, you know, he was jumping off. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to stay on. I need to be the financial stability for the, for both of us at the time. This is, this is like a marriage. You know, you I say he is your work husband. Yeah. Right? Don't tell my wife. That. <laughs> His wife gets a little upset. I mean, my, my, my wife understands. Um, hey, Laura. <laughs> you know, so we had that conversation. We had to have the, that conversation about, OK, well, I'm going to stay on. I'm going to be the financial stability. If we need more money, you know, it'll it'll come through me. Now, why do we do that? I mean, now we look back at it and we're like, we're glad we did it. But we did it because we believed in the product. We believed in the product and we we knew that if we had all the money in the world, this was a profitable business. Because if we think about it, all our startup costs, all the debt, all that stuff, if we had the money, we wouldn't have a problem. It'd be a profitable business. We always knew that. So we're like, okay, well, now what's the next step? We want to value we want the business valuation to go up. So let's open up another store. Let's see how it does. That store, that second store ended up being better than the first. Do you attribute that to demographic round two, where like you made your mistakes round one, going more lean and obviously not doing a $34,000 build out in the location? What do you attribute that second location success to? I think it was a couple of things, actually. Uh, dem- uh, market demographic was huge and also education. At the time when we opened up, nobody knew about cryotherapy. By the time we opened up a second location, there was a lot of people that were familiar with cryotherapy. So you already set the trend, essentially. Yep. Exactly. So like following even, the train line, the next town over is going to be already there. Pretty much. I mean, by the time we got to our second location, which was Cedar Grove, there were people that knew who we were before we even got there, which was surprising to oh, us I at heard the about time. you guys or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The brand yeah. equity was starting to build up. So brand equity was huge. You know, we took the early hits with our first location, but by the time we got to the second, it was, it was pretty easy. And we knew we were taking a gamble. When we first entered the industry in 2015, it was still the early stages. Unknown. Yeah, a lot of people look at industries in terms of a bell curve. So we were still on the bottom, and it hasn't even gotten starting to go up. We've noticed that at this point now in 2019, it's still on the upward trend of the bell curve. We are still waiting for how high this can get. So, I mean, that gamble in 2016, we doubled down in 2017 and, and, and it just, it's going great. So now it's just a matter of managing the numbers and make sure things make sense, but the industry is doing fairly well. Now, how many times did you guys have to go back to the well and borrow money, whether it's family, banks, friends, you know, merchant service loans, everyday pay loans? How many times did you have to do that? Initially, we had to go back. I mean, after construction, we had to go back. We had to put in our own money. Again, for the first four or five months, well, we were making like three, four thousand dollars in revenue. Mm-hmm. It's nothing. Nothing. It's nothing. Nothing. Again, nobody knew what cryotherapy was, though, so we had to go back. Talk about this, right? So you guys had your own money invested, right? Did you go and say, "Crap, we have to go borrow money. We're going to the bank to borrow money or wherever to protect your initial investment," or was it as like, "Hey"? you know what, we really believe in this, we're doing this just so we can keep putting a Band-Aid over, you know, what's coming down the road. Like, we're bridging, you know, where we are today to where we see this future in 36 months from now. Because most people, as you know, mm-hmm. probably would just give up or stop paying their bills and then go under, right? So to be an entrepreneur, you you definitely, 
you just have to have a different mindset about this. We we 100 percent believed in the product that we were giving out. We believed in the service. We were not even scared for a little bit. Like we slept fine at night. We knew that this is that was going to work. And it has because we believed in it 100 percent. How off have you been on the time frame or timeline from how quickly you thought you'd be seeing money to oh, seeing money? Oh, well, no. So, I mean, <laughs> you, you'd be on a yacht by now. Serious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you always like, especially as you're starting as an entrepreneur, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. You're forecasting ridiculously high numbers. You have higher, you're, you're running on optimism and hope. Right. And it's unrealistic because you really have to go into the numbers. You have to know the numbers. You have to take a calculated risk. This isn't something that everybody can do. Like you, like you can be passionate about what you're about, but you also have to have a business mind behind it too. It's so funny, right? So I think, you know, one of the things we always speak about is like turning your passion into income, turn your passion into like, you know, your livelihood, right? Whether it's part-time, full-time or occasionally, Mm -hmm. right? People obviously try and make a profit off their passion, but don't have the business mindset to do so. Do you recommend people trying to turn their passion into a profit or do you think they should just keep their passion a passion and profit somewhere else? Oh, well, the three of us collectively, we all just recently went to an event hosted by Grant Cardone and Damon John. And one of the underlying messages of the entire thing is if you want to be an entrepreneur, you have to have courage. You have to be willing to put your ass on the line and know that this might not work out. So if you are passionate about something and you want to make it into a profit, you won't be successful unless you have courage. Because it's going to be tough from the beginning and you have to be able to get through it kind of like what we did and make it work. And it's like problem solving. You have to be a good problem solver. You don't necessarily have to be a great business person, but you have to be a great problem solver. We had a conversation in late January, early February, where you were about to buy a beautiful house for your wife and newborn son. Tell us about that sequence of events and what that led to. So I had this idea that, like everyone else, everyone has this American dream. Now, I've bought a house before. I bought a multifamily back in 2012 when the, when the market was still a little bit down. But I wanted, I always wanted a single family home. And I, I owed that, I felt like I owed that to my wife and especially to my newborn. And at the time I was still in corporate America. When you have a salary, when you have that comfort zone, you don't really realize how much shit you spend, like how much you actually really spend. And to me, well, you always know when money's coming in. Yeah. It's a safety net. Stable. It's stable. It's a safety net. It's a comfort zone, right? I was about to get myself into a $5,000 mortgage. $5,000 a month. Just one $5,000 mortgage. Yeah. I thought it was understood. I'm going to buy a (laughs) $700,000 house and put $695,000 down. $5,000 a month. At the time, I mean, I had a great job. I had a great salary. My wife does really well for herself as well. She works on Wall Street and we could afford it. But that wasn't my goal. My goal was to leave corporate America. So once I realized that, you know, I went into the house. It was it was literally it was a beautiful home. It was everything I I could think of when you walk into a home. But then I started realizing I started nitpicking at certain things. I started looking at little things and it was like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. And then I started realizing, do I really? I think you called me up one day. You were like, can you believe the kitchen knob is white? I'm like. <laughs> Can you believe you can change it? it? I don't, I don't <laughs> think it was out of my face. <laughs> How dare you? No, and it, I mean, it, it was something along those lines. <laughs> I think it, it was, was a something. crawl space, actually. Right? It was a crawl space. <laughs> I was like, you believe this? A crawl space? It doesn't have a basement. <laughs> but, you know, we get so caught up when we have salaries and, and we have a paycheck. We get so caught up on materialistic things. That was a 
big altering part of my life. Like my life changed from that moment. I turned that house down because as soon as I turned that house, and you down, had an accepted offer. Yeah. Offer was accepted. I mean, I, I was, I was scrambling for things, you know, to, to just get out of the, to get out of the offer. So at, at the time there was, um, there was a sense of mold in the crawl space. I and I use that to all a sense of mold. <laughs> like there wasn't, there wasn't paperwork or anything. Yeah. There was just, uh, it, it looks like, like there was wetness here. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And I said, I, I threw out every excuse I could find. And then at the end of the day, I was like, Oh, I'm, I had just had a newborn can risk it, blah, blah, blah. And I just wanted the deal to be dead. Funny thing happened was as soon as that deal got killed, I quit my job and went full mode. Then you were, I believe you were going to look at $5,000 a month of rentals, though. Yeah. Oh, that, that was in between, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we forgot that fun part. Get the mortgage. Yeah. Let's get a yeah. rental. I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> so what did you wind up doing? I ended up sucking it up, and, and my parents had an apartment. But at the same time, like, I could have gone. By apartment, could, they have a two-family home with an empty yeah. apartment. Yeah, they have a multifamily as well. And, and they had an apartment. And, you know, I had a newborn, so I wanted to... I wanted them to be with their grandparents, most importantly. And it was a tremendous help for us as well because I'm super busy. My wife's super busy. So I ate that. Now think about this, right? So combined, you and your wife make a couple hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. a year, right? You own a two-family yourself, which mm-hmm. is an investment property, mm-hmm. right? You could buy a $700,000 house, drive a Mercedes, but you decided to move back into a cheaper rental with mm-hmm. your parents was that humbling? Did that do anything to like your pride or ego? Or like, oh man, I have a wife and kid. Like I'm moving back in with my parents at, um, at 30. I always thought that I never had an ego. I, I didn't care. As long as it made sense, I would, I'd do it. And I'm not the type of person to be like, oh, I don't want to move back to my parents' house for whatever reason. No, I don't, I don't care. As long as it makes sense. And the sense for me was my child. I was raised that way. I, my grandparents raised me. So I was like, I want to give him that. I want to give him that opportunity to be with his grandparents as well. It had nothing to do with ego. It just had to, it just made family sense to me. Do you think your average person that has the same opportunity to move into a family's rental or pass on that six, seven hundred thousand dollar beautiful one family house with taxes at fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a year for a school system to sacrifice one to four years while your kids are still growing up or while you're getting yourself on your feet to move back in with family? Do you recommend that to people? Well, I'll tell you, 99% of the people won't do what I did. Uh, completely. Completely. They would have gone through with that purchase, yeah. and they never would have left the yeah. job. And then, and then maybe after that purchase, they're going to realize that it's just materialistic things. Now, every day we work out, when we work out, right? you always say to me, I've never been happier. I've never been happier. I've never been happier. What do you attribute that to and expand on that? What do you mean you've never been happier? Freedom and happiness. For me, and, and, and Jeff used to tell me all the time, and he used to rub it in my face when I used to work in corporate America. He was like, I can't wait until you feel what I'm feeling. And I, that literally used to haunt me when I was going to work. And he and he's smiling because he remembers very fondly. He was like, go to the gym at 11 a.m., take a nap, I'll work a little bit. I was like, but at the time, I was at a different mindset, and I had to be because he was more the, the, the creator at the time. He was out doing his thing, doing the entrepreneurship. I was being the financial stability, the financial Which is backbone. Important. It's, important. It's, it's really important. And, and that's why we, we complement each other really well. We have the same goals. Our personality is a little bit different, but we have the same vision. We have the same goals. But we always saw eye to eye, you know? And I mean, the, the biggest thing for me was just like, I'm not tied down to anybody. 
Nobody signed me down. And I could have been offered to come back. You were, actually. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I was offered to come back. And I was just like, I'm good. Yeah. I'll no, pass. Yeah, no thanks. I'll pass. Because it got to the point where when I was working, I wasn't looking at my bank account anymore. I forgot we got paid. So what was I doing it for? You know, why was I sitting there? Why was I doing it? And the reason was financial stability, financial backbone. So do you think you appreciate freedom? I'm going to relate yourself to myself, right? So I got into the mortgage business at 20, right? And I put myself into self-jail by killing myself, working 24 hours a day, seven days a week from an early age. That's all I knew. But I always had freedom where I could always do what I chose to do, right? Yes, I might have an appointment at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning, but from 8 to 11 on Saturday, I could do whatever I want. I could go to any event I want. I could travel anywhere I want, whatever I want to do. I made my own schedule, but I was tied down to the commitment and responsibility to making a name for myself, right? Now, you obviously had a, a corporate guaranteed salary job. Do you think you would have appreciated your freedom now if you didn't have that nine to five experience? Yeah, you're right. Because like, I always had freedom, but I didn't appreciate it until I had you're my right. son to appreciate it. No, you're absolutely right. I, I can't knock anyone's hustle, their work ethic, the commitment that they have to, to their job and work. The three of us collectively were workaholics. Right. We, we do work. We work a lot. And we enjoy it. And, but we enjoy what we do. We really enjoy what we do. When you're doing something when you don't enjoy it, then now it's a different conversation. Now it's that's where stress builds out. We don't have stress. Yeah, and we're not knocking nine to five at all. Like mm-hmm. nine to five is great. It's stability. It's financial stability, and it's just entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is just not for everybody. Like you have to live. I think everyone wants to be. Everybody, to some extent. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and especially with the emergence of like Shark Tank and all these things that are promoting entrepreneurship, it's like the cool new wave. But honestly, I'll say you need to have a lot of courage and understand like this isn't for everybody. What three factors do you think it takes for an individual to have that you do or die? Like if you don't possess these three traits internally, you should not be an entrepreneur or you should be an entrepreneur. Relentlessness is one. Relentlessness in the sense that you have courage, you're doing all that, anything that you need to. Problem solving, like I mentioned before, is huge. Problem solving on your own, like yeah. be creative. Yeah, like even if you're not, you don't have high business acumen, you need to be able to figure out problems. I can't get customers in the door. How do I get them in? I can't make money. How should I, what should I try? Like you have to be able to nitpick and try to figure out how to solve problems. The most important one, I think, is having an open mind. Because if you're closed-minded, you're not going to go anywhere. So funny you bring that point up, right? And Obviously, you know what I do on a daily basis, consulting-wise, and people call me with all different types of crazy situations, mm-hmm. right? And I'm just going to give an example. It's like, oh, my God, I have a restaurant. I'm like, okay, I can't figure out how to get people to buy my cheeseburgers, right? And I'm like, try a different cheese. And they're like, no, I'm only serving American cheese. I'm only serving American cheese. And meanwhile, I have 20 people calling me, asking me where they can get a cheddar cheeseburger. I'm like, wait. I'm giving you the solution, but because you're so fixed in your way, you're not open-minded to changing a concept. And I know, like, again, even with Cryo, like, you guys took care of me on Cryo, so I obviously always give you guys good feedback. And we've implemented in Cryotherapy and Cryo Central some changes from even the layout, right? We, you and I spent a Friday night just rearranging the furniture in Cryo mm-hmm. just to get a different yep. feel, different energy. Yep. You were open-minded to that. Mm-hmm. Someone with pride or ego might be like, no, this is the way I want it, this is the way it yep. is. At what point do you in your opinion, believe, hey, I know this is the way to go. This is the way I'm doing it. No one's telling me different. 
versus I'm open to making changes that can benefit my business and myself. So this is the beauty of Jeff and I having the corporate America experience because we vet everything out through each other. Yes, we have we have ideas, but we're like there there's lots of times where Jeff was like, no, we need to do it this way, or there's lots of times I said, no, we need to do it this way. But who wins? Arm wrestling? No, results wins. Results wins because at the end of the day, we we try. We try it out anyway. Because I forgot the example. There was one thing that we disagreed upon, and Jeff was like, nah, let's let's do it this way. Let's try it. I was like, let's try it. What do you got to lose? And it worked. This question is big. I hope you guys strap down to the seat oh, right man. yeah strap strap it on i mean strap it up <laughs> strap it on <laughs> can you turn an employee into an entrepreneur i will say i i was an employee turned entrepreneur like i mean it's it's one of those things where you flip the switch and you're like you know what it's time and you have to understand what you need to be to make things happen so when i was working in corporate america i was doing the 9 to 5 i realized this wasn't really what I was passionate about, and I just wanted to work for myself. So I had to find it within me to be able to be the type of person to be. But a do you think you were an entrepreneur trapped in an employee's body subconsciously? I personally think I might not have been. I'll be honest. Seriously? I think like seeing everything in corporate America, watching a lot of successful entrepreneurs, I learned from them, and I learned from what I needed to be. So I might have had entrepreneurial characteristics, but I think the environment and the people around me taught me a lot to be who I am. I'll answer differently. Yes, I did. I always wanted to do things on my own. I didn't like anyone telling me what to do. Play in your own sandbox. Yeah. I, that's one thing I will tell you that I do not like people telling me what to do. We could share ideas, but that that was one thing from corporate America that I was that's I don't miss at all. So growing up, I always, yes, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew I wanted my own business, but I wanted to conquer two worlds. I wanted to conquer entrepreneurship and I also wanted to conquer corporate America. So I always saw myself, I always wanted to, and I know Jeff had the same aspirations at one point to be CEO, CFO, COO of a company. Well, it was just a matter of, is it someone else's company or is it my company? But I wanted both at one point. And then I realized one is actually more valuable than the other. Yeah, when I got out of college, my five-year, 10-year plan was I want to be like a top-level C-suite executive for a Fortune 500 company. And that was my goal. I got my MBA. I fully intended on going that route. And then the cryocentral, the cryotherapy business just kind of fell in our laps. We saw there was an opportunity. We knew there was a good shot at making this work. And then we just jumped in. And that's when we became entrepreneurs. That was pretty nonchalant that you said fell on our laps. We kind of built it out. (laughs) We built it out. But I mean, the idea of like, that wasn't even our intention. We We weren't actively searching for a business to start. We weren't trying to be entrepreneurs. Like the idea just came up. We vetted it out. We started talking about it. We realized, hey, there actually is an opportunity. Let's jump in. So it fell in our lap in the sense of we weren't out looking for cryotherapy business we just knew we want we had that entrepreneurial itch where we wanted to start a business and cryotherapy just happened to be the first one a lot of entrepreneurs especially the very very successful ones they always allude to mentors and i think for an employee that wants to convert into an entrepreneur and do things on their own i think they just need guidance i think what it really comes down to is are you risk adverse and are you willing to to bust your balls and willing to take it take it on full speed ahead and not worry about, you know, what could happen. Do you guys recommend listeners of people that want to start their businesses 
to take on partners or to do it on their own? You guys obviously have a special dynamic, special relationship, 25 year history, and you guys know each other in and out. You know, that's uncommon. It's just call a spade a spade. You guys are very aligned. You think alike. And, you know, from knowing both of you, you guys always do the right thing. Like neither one of you just do what's best for yourself individually. You do what's best for the bigger picture, right? Which is the same morals and values that I operate on, right? And I've had partners that didn't do that and I reaped the responsibilities and repercussions from it, right? Right. Financially, mentally, physically, emotionally, right? I was always the guy that just wound up eating the shit, if you will. So what do you guys look for in a partnership and how do you guys recommend people if they're going to have a partnership? How do they approach that? So I'll start by saying it's just, it's a numbers game. I mean, there's, you're very, like, even at, at the most capable level, there's just so much you can do just by yourself. So if you can bring in somebody who's like-minded, aligned with your goals, your visions, and brings in resources that you might not have access to, there's always value in that. So, I mean, I think if, if it makes sense, if it makes dollar sense, if it makes sense within the team, how the way it gels and, and, and how everything works, I always agree that more is probably better. But like, like you mentioned, you got to be very selective. We're not going to do the business with anybody who just throws money or uh, an idea at us. Like choosing a business partner is just as important as find, like choosing a life partner that you get married to. Like this is somebody that you're going to be exchanging financials with. You're going to be talking to on a daily basis. This is going to be somebody that you have to treat as strongly as your wife or husband. So it's important that when selecting a, a good business partner, it's somebody that you vetted out and you've fed it out thoroughly because it's not something to take very lightly. I don't want to give the the misperception of you need to know that person for 25 years in order to do business with them. And like, like you mentioned, uh, and you know, we realize it, it's, it's, we know it's rare. Um, we don't, we don't argue. We don't fight. We're always gelled. We're always gelling. We always come to a conclusion, but to his point, I agree. I think if you do bring on partners, you take a little bit of risk off of yourself. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, especially if you're a dreamer. And if you have aspirations to build out an actual company, corporation, whatever you're trying to do, you need a team. You need a team. Now, can you get employees to do that? Possibly. But you, if you could find someone that you can trust, you could tag team it and probably do better things because two minds, three minds are better than just one. And yeah, I mean, you, you might be able to do it on your own, but if the goal is to scale, it's, you're only limited to what you can do. So if you're really trying to grow your company to something bigger than just a small business, most entrepreneurs, they don't want to be business owners. They want to be entrepreneurs. They want to scale their business to a point where... But do you think entrepreneurs want to be entrepreneurs to say they're entrepreneurs or to actually have a successful business? So that's, that's another topic that we can discuss. Like entrepreneurship is getting cool. Everybody wants to be, have that title. But to be a true entrepreneur, you really have to look to grow your business and, and make it not only just as a way for you to live and, and survive uh, financially, but it's just part of the game. Like You have to love growing your business. It's fun. I love it day in and day out. And I think that's what makes me an entrepreneur. Yeah, I think you know, even if there's a downturn in the market, that's when you really know who's going to be in, who's a real entrepreneur or not. We genuinely enjoy this process. To be an entrepreneur, you have to be okay with your bank account going to zero 
a negative, overdrawn. Overdraft fees, Uh, $35 a clip. (laughs) (laughs) You have to be okay with that. It it can phase you. You can't worry. It's it's just a different mindset. Let's talk briefly. We're obviously going to wrap this up soon about the most important document in any partnership or corporation known as the operating agreement, right? So what do you leave in? What do you leave out? How do you gauge what actually goes in the operating agreement? And how do you determine who's, you know, the final say in a decision to be made? Yeah, so I mean, uh, we have several businesses. Cryotherapy is just uh, one of the few. But I mean, at the same time, too, we do have different partners across the different businesses. And it's just value add. So on the operating agreement, the people that you're doing a partnership with, there has to be an equal value add from each partner. There has to be something that you provide that I can't and vice versa to, to be a really good team. So, I mean, um, that's always important, outlining everybody's responsibilities so everybody knows right from the jump how much they're involved, even from a financial level, how much is everybody putting in, and just really, really outlining what everybody's roles and responsibilities are and being as clear as possible so there's no issues right from the start. Mr. Accountant, former accountant? No, I mean, he, he pretty much uh, hit the nail on the head. I mean, at the end of the day, you just want to make sure that whoever, it's kind of like what we talked about before about the trust and all that stuff. When it comes to business, you can't just trust. Like we have a very thorough operating agreement and this is my best friend from first grade, you know, so you can't leave anything out. And it's just, to, it's just to protect yourself, you know, at the end of the day. But other than that, I mean, Jeff pretty much hit it pretty much every, uh, every topic on so that. So obviously you guys are going to, offer all the listeners that are local in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Delaware areas, or anybody traveling into town to check out New York City or Hoboken, Jersey City for the summer, uh, a special if they come to Cryo Central. What is special? Yeah, so our introductory rate is $59. If they come in um, from listening to this podcast, we'll actually give them two sessions for that same price. So get one free? Yes, they're essentially getting one free, but they're technically they're getting two sessions for $29 each. Okay. That's awesome. And where are your guys' locations? So we have our uh, first location, which is actually in Hoboken. It's uh, a lot of, I don't know if a lot of people know where CrossFit Hoboken, it's kind of like a big, it's kind of like a big hub in Hoboken on Jackson Street. And then we have a location in Cedar Grove and we have one in Kearney currently, you know, for the addresses and all that, they could just go on our website, cryocentral.com and look that up. Awesome. And obviously, as you know, as we wrap up the podcast, we leave the listeners and because there's two of you, you can each give one of your own things to deposit that to the memory bank. What's your number one thing you want listeners to leave here today in order to better their lives and incorporate it into their daily routine? Expectation. I think that when you don't have expectation, you could get farther. Now, that's not to say that you can't dream. It's not to say that you can't have goals, but I see a lot of people that have expectations, especially getting into entrepreneurship. Uh, They expect to be successful. They expect to have a nice car. They expect to have a nice home. They expect people to help them. No, you will be let down very quickly. So just don't have any expectation jumping into entrepreneurship. Love it. Jeff? So I recently spoke um, at at a graduation and one of my main theme and my main message was to stay curious. So a lot of people, they might think, what do you mean by that? And it's just a thirst for knowledge. Like you're always wanting to learn more. Can I be a successful entrepreneur? Can I start that business? Can I do this? Can I do that? As long as you have that mental thought of, I always need to be learning. I always need to be finding what's new, what's out there. Then you're always going to try to be successful. So if you always stay curious, try to stay learning, you'll always do well. 
Awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much for coming on. Obviously, you know, we hope Central booms from this. And uh, our franchise opportunities available or not yet? Yes. So we just completed the FTD documents a couple of weeks ago. That's another avenue. If um, if anyone's interested in franchising their own Cryo Central, give us a holler. Email right. us at franchise at cryocentral.com. Guys, definitely reach out to the best guys I know. And we look forward to having you on the show, hopefully sometime soon as a recap. Yep. Thank you. Right, cool. take, it the, take it to the take bank you. and deposit that. Deposit that. <laughs>